Draw the circle wide, draw it wider still. Let this be a song, no one stands alone, standing side by side. Draw the circle wide. Cut the still point of the circle, Round whom all creation turns, nothing lost but held forever in God's gracious arms. Draw the circle wide, draw it wider still. Let this be our song, no one stands alone, standing side by side. Draw the circle wide. Let our hearts touch far horizons, so encompass great and small. Let our loving know no borders, faithful to God's call. Draw the circle wide, draw it wider still. Let this be our song, no one stands alone, standing side by side. Draw the circle wide. Let the dreams we dream be larger than we've ever dreamed before. Let the dream of Christ be in us, open every door. Draw the circle wide. Draw it wider still. Let this be our song. No one stands alone, standing side by side. Draw the circle wide. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our reading is from John 15, verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is God's word to God's people. Thanks be to God.
So we begin our uh, sermon series for the spring, focusing on setting a course for a better life. This is something that I think we all want to have, a better life. We want to uh, have life more abundant, more successful, more centered, more balanced. I think this should appeal to everybody unless one of you is the second coming. (laughs) And you know what? If you are... Would you please stand up? (laughs) No, all right, all right, all right. All right, then. So maybe there's still possibility, still possibility for challenges from God for us to become a little bit more fully um, who God would intend us to be, that maybe there are things that we might be able to do that would put us on a little better course as individuals and as a church towards life abundant, towards a better life. We're going to spend each month focusing on an area of ministry with the hope that we can see in that area of ministries way by which we ourselves might be able to uh, blossom and, and take on a course towards a better life, as well as we as a church, because people will come into the church in the hopes that they might discover through us in the church uh, assistance, some partners in getting towards a better life. We're going to spend January by looking at the ministry of the church, the ministry that we experience and that we participate in, the ministry of relationships, with the hope that we will uh, find ways, discern ways to to change the focus a little bit from being so focused on ourselves to becoming a little bit more focused on others. In the book that we're studying, it's dealing with this in the terminology of shifting from fellowship to hospitality. And this will be one of the keys of setting a course for a better life for us all. So the ministry of relationships, uh, we're all kind of connected, aren't we, one to another? Here in the choir, there's a special kind of bonding that you all have. If, uh, if we think about it, we, we look at you, and, and there's a little bit of, of appreciation for that special thing that you have that, that keeps you together. Different fellowship groups in the church are that way, different studies. We get a sense that uh, there's connections that happen in churches, and these don't come out of uh, out of nowhere. There's um, there's good theology that's underneath this practice of connecting with one another in a church, and I want to just spend a couple minutes talking about that. From our theological point of view, we think of God as a relational being. We think of ourselves as relational beings. In the story of creation, those who who tried to capture how things might have happened in the beginning of the world with the the birthing of our globe and uh, life upon it and human life, as they they tried to make sense of how that might have been and they put that to, to voice and to story and then down on pen, it's interesting that in that story we read God saying, Let us create man in our image. 
Remember reading that? Let us. Us? Wait a minute. What do you mean us? Isn't there just like one God? Who's the us that we're talking about here? So some folk think, well, you know, it's, uh, it's like in that medieval theology of where there's seraphims and cherubims, there's God's hosts, everybody. It's a big banquet room, God's on the throne, and God is kind of saying, you know what might be fun, let's make a world, and we'll create people in that world, and we'll have those people be like us. Some people think that's what that us has to do with. Um, I don't know many of you with wings and six legs. I'm not sure the us holds up that way. Another thought about the us is that this is a, uh, an early nod to the Trinity. Jesus is the word of God and through God's word was creation made and and so some people look back at that us as like God talking to God's self. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are gathered. Let us create. What do you think? But it's an us, though. It's a relational sense of God, that God is connected somehow. Even from the beginning of time, we think of God as in relationship. And as God is creating humankind, God sees that it is good that there is a companion to man. And whether we have become people who are married or we are single people, we recognize that there is a relational drive that we feel of being connected to somebody else, that we really don't live a solitary, independent, disconnected life. When Jesus was challenged by a Pharisaic lawyer hoping to, to trip him up about the commandments, he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And, and I've always supposed that it's fun to think of, well, what else could Jesus have said? He could have said, well, he could have chosen one of the things about lust or about gluttony or about killing, you know. But Jesus talked about relationships. Jesus said, you know, the greatest commandment is to love God and to love neighbor. Relationship. We're interconnected. We are to be connected with one another. It's a relational kind of thing between us and God and you and me. The most important thing, as Jesus would say it, is for us to relate to one another and relate to God in the healthiest, in the best of ways. Wesley is remembering as saying that there is no religion that is not social 
religion. And what he meant by that is that though we may tend to go off and think we can do this religious thing by ourselves, we really can't. We can't do it in a vacuum. We stand on the shoulders of countless people who came before us, a whole social context, and we do it with one another. At its best, religion connects us. Religion makes us brothers and sisters to one another. Like it or not. Like it or not. We're to love one another as we love God. And I don't think these are throwaway words. I, I, I don't think this is just um, sweet sentiment. I think we might actually look around in our community and our world and see that we are on so many precipices because we have not learned how to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. So when we think about our faith and we we think about how it's to be lived out. We're, we're well advised to remember that we want to be very mindful of its relational quality, that we need to stay connected to God and connected to one another. And this connection is to be characterized by love, as Jesus says, by health, by wholeness, by grace at its at its spiritual heights, it's to be like that. And at its pedantic physical level, it's to be like that. We're not to harm each other. We're to help and love each other. Oftentimes, this is, is turned into the word fellowship. Where do you fellowship, somebody might say to you, uh, at this church? What's going on at that church? Where we're fellowshipping with one another. We're relating to one another. We're being nice to one another, right? Fellowship is, is oftentimes the kind of word that's used in church circles about what we're talking about. And, and Maynard would have us ratchet that up a little bit and say, you know what? God didn't say tolerate and get along with each other. Be nice, please, just be nice. That's not the quote, is it? You know, learn how to share your potlucks and not steal the dishes. You know, share your music. Don't get in fights over parking spaces. It's more than fellowshipping. It's more than fellowshipping. It's extending that relational God's grace and love to one another that is trying to be highlighted here for ourselves. And Maynard likes to use the word of hospitality for that because in being hospitable to one another, you go an extra step of grace, of welcoming 
of attending to one another. Now, when I look back at those 50 years, any of you read Nancy Maravec's article in the, uh, in the Covenant? Great, isn't it? She's got a list of these 50 things that were going on, right? And then she also has something where she's talking about how people have connected with one another. And I've heard a lot of you talk to me because I recognize, Rachel and I, we're youngsters among you, we're new among you, and, and some of the worshipers even here this morning are, are relatively new in the last couple of years. Some of you have been around for nearly all those, well, for all those 50 years. Some of you. Others have been here for two to three decades. There's a lot of history here of people being with one another. And as I look back upon our, our 50 year history, it, it strikes me that this congregation knows this stuff. This congregation got this right at the start. Here it was, Morrison was wandering around these crummy old hillsides where there was hardly anything, right? And a few houses are starting to be built and a new development's coming in and, and he's going to people's, he's gathering together. He had like 30 or so on that first Sunday gathering. And you know what they did as they gathered that first Sunday? They did not say, you know, 30's a good number. Let's hold it at 30. We know each other. We could handle this. We could care for you. No, they didn't do that, did they? They did what? They actually extended invitations. Those of you who lived there those years, you know I'm telling you the truth. They extended invitations to their new neighbors, to people at their work, people they were meeting at the schools of their children. Where do you go to church? Come, join me. Come see this place. Come meet these people. Come get connected to God. It's, it's alive in this place. They said something like that. And that 30 grew to 120 over that first year. I think it's 120, isn't that right? And that 120 gained hundreds, and we got nearly to 1,000 people in this church. And over those decades in which we grew to that size, people in this church were looking outside its doors and sharing the gospel of God's love to others who were hungering and thirsting for that experience. They were inviting and welcoming in. And some of you will tell me stories about how you raised your families together, how you went camping together, how maybe somebody might have blown up, but you all got together with one another and weathered that and, and built better relationships, how, how some kid might have gone off the tracks and you all kind of hunkered down and, and helped with that. There have been deaths, there have been births, there have been weddings. And you've been a family of faith through that. You've cared for each other. You've looked out for one another. You've had fun with one another. 
But as that growth in the church shows, you continue to cast your vision beyond your doors, inviting and welcoming in to the relationship of the family more people. You know how valuable that experience was to you. When we, when we were going through uh, some of the, the unsettling conversation this last summer about the future of our church, that conversation was helped along by our memory of our love for one another. We were able to somehow find a way to hold the center through that conversation because of our relationship with one another. And we need to be mindful of that. We need to be mindful that though 75% of us want an inclusive church that welcomes everybody in and in authority in this church, there's some that don't. There's 25% perhaps that don't. And our careless language one way or another about that issue or about numerous other issues can be very harmful to the fabric of our community. It's one thing for me to kid about the Patriots losing the game. Okay, that created a little hard feeling, I understand, to some, <laughs> some dear people, right? Right? Um, God knows why, but... There are other things that strike to the core of our being, of who we are as people or as a congregation. And that issue that we were talking about with our denomination is one of those things. And, and if we are not of the same mind, we need to be of a similar heart of caring for one another because we are in relationship with one another. We are family to one another. And harmful words are harmful in a family. So we find ourselves some decades later after this magic time of growth of this family of faith, like a lot of mainline churches, in some kind of recession. And there's a lot of reasons for that, that sociologists of, of religion have gone into and talk about. But there's one thing that we know. Organizations tend to grow and plateau and decline. And at that plateauing time of the organization is a time when they are self-satisfied with who they are and they feel they're doing what they need to do. And the gear throttles into a kind of neutral. Happens to IBM, happens to Westinghouse, happens to the Patriots, <laughs> happens to the Dodgers. <laughs> it happens to churches. And when the organization starts to look more into itself, to hold on to its goodies, rather than looking outside of itself for where it can spread its goodies, 
it goes into decline. There's no blaming here. There's, there's no fault finding going on. This is just the natural thing that happens to organizations. And organizations need to be very creatively on their cutting edge to continue to keep reinventing themselves into the demands of the new future. Churches, traditional as churches typically are, are sometimes the hardest kind of organization to do that with. We get set in our ways, don't we? But churches, just like all those other organizations, need to be doing it as well. And that vital excitement that was a part of the early couple decades of this church or so that drew so many of you into such dear relationships with one another, that excitement of having something special to share, the love of Christ in your heart and how it had transformed your family, that excitement, we experience a little bit too and we need to manifest, reclaim, rearticulate and share. Remember Bishop Aguia talking about high-tech, high-touch. This is the high-touch kind of stuff that what he was talking about. The things that make differences in people's lives, the relationships of where you're extending love and caring to one another. Though you may, you may not agree on lots of things. The grace of God that has saved your life demands of you the extension of grace to others. And you catch on to that and you do it. You don't just keep it to yourself. You do it. As much as we enjoy being with one another, and that is a good, good thing. I'm not saying that's not a good thing. When Rachel talks about this and when John talks about this, we're all going to be celebrating how we are connected and how we care for one another, how much we enjoy one another. But we are really drawn together by the Holy Spirit for the purpose of being the body of Christ to our time and our place. To be the extension of God's love into a darkened, messed up world. We are to be doing what the Christ did of extending grace, of welcoming in, of healing, of building up. The driving force behind the building of relationships with each other and relationships beyond our door is the expression of God's grace, God's unmerited love in our lives. We experience it. We extend it.
It's the grace that flows through the, the center of that relationship of God to us and thereby ought to be the, the key thing that is moving through our relationships with one another. God's loving grace. However we are with one another, that is the core of how we should be with one another. Conduits of God's grace with brothers and sisters already gathered and with brothers and sisters outside our door who haven't yet woken up to this being a place where they can experience that kind of stuff. We love because we've been loved. We welcome others because we've been welcomed. We invite others to discover God's grace because of what we have learned for ourselves about the transforming power of God's grace. Hoping that they too may have that blessed experience. This is what the relational ministry of the church is about. This is what this hospitality is all grounded in. Helping to get that grace out. Helping to get it out. Get it out. To people who are just hungering and thirsting yet are kind of unaware yet of what it is they're seeking. Amen.